Hello and welcome back to the Project 99 podcast. It is December 5th, 2021. I can't believe 2021 is almost over. I still keep thinking it's 2020. So, yeah. I don't know how many times I've said that already. You think you'd want it to end, so, you know, the fact that it was almost over would be, like, celebrated. <laughs> yeah. This year, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't even feel like it even happened. I, 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 I don't know why. It's not like significant things haven't gone on. I just, I don't fucking know, man. Uh, I don't know. So anyway, we have a couple different topics to talk about today. Um, I wanted to touch on this Michigan shooter thing just for a minute because they're actually charging the parents in this case, which I always wondered before, um, like if we're going to bicker back and forth about gun rights and not do anything on that channel, um, you know, we could start holding the people responsible who allow their guns to get yep. into the hands of dangerous people um, mm-hmm. and children who should never have access to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that they're, you know, charging the parents. And then when I read further that they actually had a meeting with the parents after the kid was drawing some violent scene mm-hmm. uh, depicting what looked like a school shooting, from what I understand. Um, and they told them, they told the parents to take him home for the day and they refused. They just left the school and left him there. Um, so yeah, I'm glad they're charging them. Good. Time mm-hmm. to start holding people responsible. I mean, if you want to say this person's like mentally disturbed and didn't know what they were doing or whatever excuse they'll make up for this kid, he was bully, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, whatever excuses they'll come up with. Um, you can't explain away the fact that these parents were not fucking parenting. And I don't like to criticize people's parenting cause I don't have children, but like that's a pretty clear cut shit right there. All right. I mean, at the very least. If you can't if you can't responsibly keep your gun locked up so that it doesn't get into the hands of somebody who's gonna hurt other people with it, then well, you they just bought it, it for him, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they bought did. it for him. Yes. And then um, you know, I've just heard briefly on the news uh that he um was searching for ammunition, I guess, online while he was at school and um his parents were made aware of it and I guess his mom commented that um she wasn't mad at him, but just don't get caught. So, obviously, there was a great deal of permissiveness going on, if not encouragement. Um, At least it looks that way. So, um, when your brother was at the house today, I think it was today, he had Fox News on. (laughs) And um, gave some reason why I put it on there. But anyways, they were praising the um, police... And which rightfully so, they charged into the face of danger and probably prevented the further loss of life. But then they were like tearing up this public school system. And it's like a complete knee jerk reaction of right wingers to attack public school. They just have to do it. And it's like, what about the fact that the parents were, you know, to me, the school was trying to do something about it. Like maybe they should have just straight up reported it to the police. But these same right wingers are the people that you know, act like um, society's always trying to look for some excuse to take their gun away from them. So the fact that they went to the parents as opposed to just straight going to the authority, you would think the Fox would appreciate that. But no, you know, they just have to spin it to their narrative. Every time. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, Cuomo got fired. Yeah, I know. That was crazy. I didn't know anything about that. I mean, I knew that the governor got fired, but I didn't know his brother, the... the uh, I don't, know, I don't even know if you want to call it news talk show host, yeah. whatever he does. I don't know. I don't watch Chris, mm. Chris Cuomo. Mm-hmm. I just knew he's the brother of the governor well, from Well, right. And I mean, during the coronavirus, you know, trauma that was happening, unfolding for like a year, he repeatedly interviewed his brother and it was so schmoozy and it was so lame and it was embarrassing that they're supposed to be a news organization, but... You know, they're having this brotherly love session. And, you know, it's just as gross as when Trump would go on Fox News. And they wouldn't ask him really. I mean, he actually did ask him some hard questions, but they were like staged hard questions. Like, you know, he knew ahead of time what he was going to be asked and he had a prepared answer. So I don't know. It was it was really gross. And and then I guess when uh, his victims started to come out, um, you know, uh, Governor Cuomo's uh, harassed victims started to come out. Um Andrew Cuomo, I guess, was giving his brother advice on how to, you know, handle it in the media. And he was also using some of his journalistic contacts to try to find out information about the women. So I... You mean Chris Cuomo? Chris Cuomo, yeah, yeah, was trying to use his contacts in the media to um, 
you know, find out what stories, in other words, were going to be run about it. Like, just basically working for his brother behind the scenes. And it's like, dude, that's not your job. You're a journalist. Right, right. So, you know, I don't know. It's just everybody's um, puts these people on a pedestal. You know, the, the whatever side you're on, it's like you have these little people that you're like, yay. And the truth of the matter is you shouldn't put any person on a pedestal and you shouldn't look up. You should make up your own mind about shit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm glad they fired him. And then he's got allegations against him right now. Now. Oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, originally when they said it was fired, it was just because they said that he was helping his brother with his scandal. But now uh, I was just reading that um, it says Chris Cuomo denies allegations of sexual misconduct after being fired from CNN. So Mm -hmm. apparently he's got his own allegations coming out about him. But anyway, on to the main topic, Mick. So... We were going to do our thing on the Iran drug contra thing. We're going to do that. But um, I've been reading a lot of books about the Third Reich for a while now. And, um, you know, we've been talking behind the scenes, Juke and I, about some stuff. And I really wanted to talk about it. So um, a couple of the books I read, the first one is called Hitler's American Friends by Bradley Hart. And I expected it really to be about corporate support for Hitler and the Nazis because I knew that you know Henry Ford was a huge anti-Semite and that he you know basically supported the German government up until the United States entered the war and I believe that he had um, you know helped them after we started the war which or joined the war which is crazy but um, it was a lot the book had a lot of stuff in it about the populist um, side of American Nazism and um, or Nazism I don't know how you the best way to say it is but um, and I was surprised at how widespread it was and how um, you know accepted it was it wasn't like you were necessarily you know uh, shunned or looked down on if you supported the Nazis which is weird because like you know we have this experience it's funny how when you read about historical events, right, you look back at them with the hindsight that you have living in this era. So you're like, how was that ever acceptable? But you have to understand, this was before the world came to the understanding of what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, we see it looking back on it, but to them, it was an emerging thing. So they didn't have the full understanding of what was going on. And that's not an excuse. It's just, I think, when you look at history you have to look back at it from that perspective yeah that always blows my mind and it makes me curious as to what the future will look at what we are doing now right as like outdated and uh just doesn't seem like it could be real I, I was actually I don't remember what show I was watching uh I think it had something to do with um trials that were covered in the media mm-hmm. and there was this case about a guy in the 90s who was on one of those Jerry Springer-esque type shows right and um, the whole thing was it was like a secret admirer and you had to come on the show to find out who it was. And the guy goes on the show and he finds out it's a man that's a mm-hmm. secret admirer. And then he goes to the guy's house and kills him. Right. And when they went to court about it, they were interviewing the murderer's father mm-hmm. who was like just talking about being gay in a way that I'm just like people really thought that like if another man makes you look gay, it's perfectly reasonable to kill him. Right. And I was like, what the? fuck are they actually talking yeah. about and the guy was like you know talking to the uh prosecutor the the prosecutor was um questioning him and he was like well what would you do if someone you know accused you of being gay and the whole courtroom just got silent and i'm like nothing because it's not like they're calling you a pedophile like right what the fuck even no, is but this back like, in the 80s it's a good point you this was in the i think it was 92 or something it was the early 90s but yeah. I just, I couldn't believe it that they just like, it was being gay was looked at as such right. a bad thing right. that like the jury was actually like, right. oh yeah, right. yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. it's not a crime to be fucking gay. Like, right. so oh back in the, uh, you know, mid eighties is when the AIDS epidemic kind of started um, exploding onto the public scene and, um, you know, homophobia has always been there and it's always been, you know, um, there's always been people who were persecuted and, and even killed because they were gay. But in the, you know, AIDS era, 
it took on a new thing like um these gays are spreading a deadly disease so it gave a new level of demonization to homosexuality that wasn't there before before it was just like you're queer and you're um disturbing my sense of male female you know what i mean like people were uh, uh there was homophobia no doubt but it definitely took a violent turn when the aids epidemic came out and um i graduated in 1989 and i remember that i remember this really anti-gay feeling and churches were just attacking gay people openly from the pulpit and it was just it was a really nasty time so yeah, that that whole thing, and that was the Jenny Jones show because I remember. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, that is what it was. And then he ended up getting off uh, on second degree murder instead of first degree murder, mm-hmm. even though it was absolutely first degree. Mm-hmm. No idea how they managed to swing second degree. I mean, he he showed up to the guy's house with a gun, kicked in the door, and fucking killed the guy. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to like you know blame it on the Temporary show. Temporary insanity. Yeah, I mean, and it blows my mind too because I'm just like he agreed to be on the show and they did tell him like come on the show to find out who your secret admirer is. It may be a man, it may be a woman. Like he was told that. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm just like the defense that they're using cuz they're examining the footage from the Jenny Jones show to show how embarrassed he was and blah 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 trying to justify this right. man's actions of mm-hmm. killing this man for embarrassing him for having mm-hmm. a crush on him and i'm just like imagine the precedent that sets that every woman who gets hit on in a bar by right. some gross guy that she thinks is fucking disgusting now she can just go to his house and fucking kill him right i mean is that what we're saying right. here well i mean in society um there are protected classes of people and you know if you're in the majority if you're this quote straight person in the and you're in the majority you're given a protected status where, yes, if someone offends you, that's a great enough crime to retaliate against them with extreme force. Like, just like minorities, you know, um, you know, thankfully, the people that killed Ahmed Aubrey um, were convicted of murder. But we're just now getting to a point in society where a person in the minority doesn't already have to justify like something wrong being done to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like there's all this rationalization that goes into defending the majority person. But when it's the minority person, there's like, you, you have to defend just being innocent. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to sidebar you there. I just thought it was an interesting point that it's like, you know, when we think about Nazis Mm-hmm. And people can't wrap their head around. I mean, it was I, normal. I it was get normalized. that. Because yes. even just in, I mean, this case was in the early 90s. And mm-hmm. I was born in 95. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. It completely blows my mind. I was having a conversation with someone the other day um, about transgender issues. And, you know, trying to explain to them that, you know, the chan- the chances that you're ever going to be in the bathroom with someone who's trans is such, is such a small percentage that, like, you don't ever even probably need to worry about it if you mm-hmm. even knew to begin with and i was like talking about um i don't know just different things in that and the, the whole I, I remember when that whole argument was going on about the trans bathroom thing and at the time i had a mohawk and uh often wear a leather jacket and i went into the bathroom and i think it lows or something and this lady was just giving me this horrified fucking stare and I was so confused until later I realized that she probably thought that I was like male or trying to be male or transgender. I'm like, I just know that's what it was about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking wild. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what these people go through because I just I, I just don't get it. I mm-hmm. guess I'm just in a, from a generation that I, I legitimately just do not understand right. where the fear or the hatred comes from. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's crazy. And I know a lot of other people in my generation are like that. We were apparently just raised in an environment in a society that like cared less about those things, was more adapted. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think it's impossible to put yourself in that state of mind. Like well, I can't imagine is, but being in the state of mind that would see like the Nazi regime forming up and not be like, hey, something's wrong here. Like, right. So you would think that and you would think that. But um you know, we've talked about this before, and I actually did look up the name of it. Um, it's called uh, Strauss-Howe Generational Theory, that history repeats itself every 80, 90, 80 to 90 years. Now, they go into this big thing about why, you know, we go through these cycles of, of humanity. But, um, you know, there's other people who have said that it's plain and simple because the last living person 
of that particular historical event is now probably dead. So once that person is no longer alive to bear witness to it, it is at risk of becoming very two-dimensional and happening again. So in other words, when we look back at fascist movements, um, you know, if you've ever listened to a recorded story of um, a person who survived the Holocaust, it's so disturbing and so gut-wrenching that um, it's really, you really have to dig into the whole idea of Nazi Germany to get that sense of, of uh, detail and nuance and the reality and the psychology that was happening in Germany. And um, I feel like a lot of people have reduced it to a two-dimensional list, in other words, of things that Okay, these are the characteristics of fascism. Like, it has to have a charismatic um, dictator leader. It's ultra-masculine. It's anti-feminist. It um, praises violence and ruthlessness. It's very militaristic. Extreme nationalism. Like, you can go down through, like, a checklist, right, of the things that we say are common in different fascistic movements. And then you can also, historians have taken Nazi Germany and the years preceding the rise of, of a fascism and say, these are the societal context that lend itself to the rise of fascism. So one of those being extreme immigration. If you have a very large immigrant population, you know, you run the risk of having a fascistic nationalistic mindset take over so you can look but all those types of things those lists of qualities that are fascist and the um, situations that give rise to or opportunity for fascist uh, ideology to arise those only help us to identify it right so when people start talking about Trump as being a very fascist type leader uh, being this megalomaniac um, <clears throat> you know wannabe despot dictator type character that um, it doesn't tell us how to stop it. So um, when I read it in the Hitler's American Friends, um, which is written by Bradley Hart, he, he talks about how there were these organizations in the United States that were um, kind of copycats of, of Nazis. They, they dressed in uniforms. They did the Heil Hitler salute, they wanted to be good little Nazis, and you say, well, what in the heck, you know, why would there be such support for a foreign nation inside the United States, and, and, um, but we had a huge German immigrant population here, and, um, in certain parts of the country, it was, it was very profound, like New York and in the Midwest, and, um, there were certain areas that were concentrated, that had a, a you know a German immigrant immigrant population, and um, so they identified with that as their as their home country, um, but also just a lot of people who were feeling disenfranchised after the Great Depression, in 1929, um, they started to feel like an anger towards elites, um, corruption. They saw fascism as a way to um, bring a strong hand in and clean up certain problems. There was also a lot of anti-communism sentiment in the country, and that was basically because of labor organizations. Um, people, you know, we talk a lot about the, the labor movement in the United States and how a lot of it was, um, you know, organized by people from other countries who knew, who, who believed in, in communist ideas and, and labor, labor unions, um, were oftentimes identified as, quote, communist organizations. Um, any, any group of people that got together and said, we're all going to stand together <laughs> um, in unity was, was uh, kind of condemned as communist. So um, there, there was a big divide in the United States at that time between the you know, pro-work communist labor union ideology the multicultural ideology and the melting pot thing and then you had the you know white um you know christian 
a lot of them were Christian organizations too, or claimed to be Christian organizations. There was one priest uh, named Father Coughlin who was who was uh, you know strong um, in his anti-Semitic remarks, and um, you know that the, they talk about Lucky Lindy, who was Charles Lindbergh, who was a, who was an aviator, the first aviator to fly transatlantic and he was like a national hero and um his wife he might remember that his uh, baby was kidnapped and so he became like a, a symbol of heroism and he was admired and so and then his baby was kidnapped and so he was kind of like loved in america and um he headed up an organization called the america first <laughs> movement so trump didn't invent that um, and they or were anything that he used or anything. right? Yeah, I love how they're like people love. They say they love Trump because they're like, he's so different. He's like the first one to blah, blah, do this or say what he thinks or right. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, no, no he's not literally. No, right. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> wrong. Right. Um, so, yeah. And the America first was um, originally about non-interventionism. So they didn't want the United States involved in any European wars. Like, why should we go and fight a war for Europe? Let them handle their own problems. And so it kind of started out that way. But then the Germans, uh, people in the hierarchy of the German government were like, hey, you know, we want these non-interventionists. We can use them because we don't want America in the war. So we'll use them to spread the message of isolationism and keep America out of the war. So they were kind of helping the Germans, although some of them didn't really realize they were helping the Germans. Um, so anyway, but, but that book really did a lot to show me the, um, you know, kind of the American side of support for Nazis that I really just didn't know was that deep. And... Um, you know, Jewish people after the Great Depression were demonized as being in control of banking and finance. So you had that uh, trope being used against them. And um, also the racial aspect, because America had some very racist, um, you know, tendencies. Had? I'm, I'm, yeah, I shouldn't have said had. <laughs> I'm just America had a lot of racist tendencies. And um, the Jewish uh, people were seen as like supporting the labor movement. So it was, and it was identified as Bolshevistic and all that. So they got, they got it from every angle, you know, um, the Jews were demonized in a lot of ways. And a lot of your uh, Ivy League universities um, expelled Jewish, stu Jewish, Jewish students. Um, so, uh, and we talked in our one episode also about the eugenics movement and how, you know, there was um, an extreme belief that human beings were no more sophisticated than breeding dogs. And if you want a better dog, you breed two good dogs. And the dog that's not good, you don't breed it. And um, took that to extreme levels. And so you had that. It was just a combination of a whole bunch of different things that, you know, your intellectuals would point to Darwin and say, you know, Darwin understands how it works. The strong survive and the, and the weak are meant to perish. Although I feel like there is something to be said about that on the other end of the argument, because sometimes I look at the way that we breed animals and I'm like, that's just, just not humane. Like, why are we doing that shit? Mm -hmm. I mean, have you ever like seen some of these designer dogs like right. the bulldogs and the pugs and they're fucking they're bred in a way that their faces are so smashed in that they can't breathe right and they gotta have right. surgeries to be able to breathe and i'm like why are we letting this shit happen yeah like there are plenty them. of fucking dogs in the pound mm -hmm. that are being put to sleep because they're not a specific breed and i mean i get that there's a huge difference when you're talking about human lives versus animal lives but like i don't understand why that shit's not seen as cruel i mean like to a certain extent i'm like oh okay so you know, there's breeds of animals, nothing wrong with them. And people keep those bloodlines because they want the dog to do and work Have specific ways. And I be get that. But mm -hmm. some of these fucking animals at this point that we're breeding that, you know, oh, we, we want these designer dogs to be so small they can fit in a purse and their fucking spines are messed up. Yeah. Like, why are we letting that shit happen? That is yeah. so fucked up. Mm -hmm. 
That should absolutely not well, be allowed. And, and and you may remember that in England, um, and also in Egypt, there was a there was a um, such an intense desire to keep the bloodline pure that brothers and sisters in Egypt married. Right. Yeah. And in England too. And in England, it was cousins a lot of times, yeah. but they, they intermarried too many times. Yeah, what's so, the guy's name? The Habsburg guy that yeah, has the fucking I think it massive was Richard. <laughs> I think it was I think his name was Richard. But he had, like, the jaw that stuck out so bad that he slobbered. He yeah. was mentally not right. He got to keep physical, that bloodline I mean, pure, though. Yeah. Fucked up. It's messed up. And, like, uh, in Russia, they had the hemophiliacs. They're, they had a lot of issues with hemophilia where they're bleeders, you know? Mm-hmm. Because of interbreeding. So, um, yeah, but th- it was like when Darwin came up with this idea of natural selection and people were like, oh, God, that makes so much sense. <laughs> so that means that we want to breed the strongest, purest, best humans. And so, you know, the Gerber baby was from the, the uh, what did they call that? The better baby contest, like where they would have these um, beautiful baby contests. And, and, you know, whatever baby fit the standard was, like, the, the most beautiful baby. And that's where the girl baby comes from. So, anyhow, um, yeah, it was almost like racism and breeding and all that was at its height. And plus you had the Great Depression. You had all these different factors culminating. So, of course, when the United States joined the war against Germany... This shit had to go underground, had to get tamped down, right? Because you can't be living in America and supporting a regime that we're currently at war with. I mean, unless you're Henry Ford. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just got to do it quietly. You know. I don't think America ever did uh, not support what the Nazis were doing. I mean, if, if that were true, then what the fuck is Operation Paperclip? Right, the elites did. Right. The Absolutely. elites and behind the scenes, there was... A, and, and, you know, this is the thing, too. America's foreign policy has always been sort of pick the lesser of two evils, right? So when we went into Germany, it was like, well, they're murdering people on a mass scale. So, yeah, that's bad. Um, But as soon as the war against Germany was over, we turned on the Soviet Union and we're like, no, we have to make friends with Nazis because the communists are even worse. (laughs) Like, wait, why do we have to make friends with either one? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, let's just sense. not do that. Let's just not. But but the the Nazis had a lot of, uh, inte- they told us they had a lot of intelligence on the communists that they could be useful. And I think they were really just trying to save their asses. But uh, because a lot of the intelligence they supposedly provided was kind of crap. But um, that's how we were duped into believing that we should work with them because they had all this intelligence on the evil empire, which was now the Soviet Union. We should do comedy skits about things just like that, where there's like a group of people sitting at a Mm -hmm. table and like American diplomats and they're all discussing politicians, whatever, congressmen, military officials. And they're like, listen, we have to make friends. And then you just put me in there Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we got to do that. And I'll just be like, how about no? (laughs) To be like a Saturday Night Live yes. with a historical band. Literally just put the voice of reason into any historical situation. Right. <laughs> or maybe just put a woman in the room. I think that all the time where you know, people make comments about a woman being president. And they're mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, a woman would start a war. And <laughs> it's like, what about every war <laughs> in history ever that was right? started by a man? <laughs> right. Like, even if they would, it would only be because the tables are even not because just because a woman didn't have access to do it before right (laughs) right right it's funny but so um yeah it did uh tamp down the support the open support for nazis um on the street i guess when we entered the war and um and when we got let's not forget that our impetus for entering the war really was the pearl harbor attack which inspired a lot of people to forget their personal individual politics and support the country against the common enemy. So, I mean, some people did turn over a leaf, but um, I just really feel like people that gravitated towards that movement um, was based on their, like, kind of their psychology and whether they were anti, um, whether they were, I guess, really racist and anti-Semitic and that kind of thing. Um, 
Well, Port Harbor situation is a really good example to just show how people become a lot of a lot of people anyway are easily become racist because of propaganda and fear. Because mm-hmm. I mean, think about the internment camps and stuff that they put uh, the, Japanese. the Japanese in mm-hmm. after Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. because they were just like anybody who looks slightly Japanese, mm-hmm. we don't trust you now. Right, and I mean, there were some people prosecuted for sedition because they continued to support uh, the Nazis after um, you know we entered the war. There were spies, uh, there were you know spy rings, German spy rings that actually did operate in the United States, and when when they were um, you know, caught, they were prosecuted for sedition. So, um, but it's funny, you don't hear about as much about that as you do the internment camps. The internment camps were horrible, but it's kind of like, well, we persecuted these Japanese for no reason, but we don't oftentimes hear about the actual German spies who were here and people in this country that were helping the Germans when they were, you know, we were over there fighting them and Americans were dying. There were people here actually helping them. So that's pretty gross. But um, so the other book that I read was by Ian Kershaw, and it was called Hitler, the Germans, and the Final Solution. And it was a fascinating book, too, because it talked about how, um, you know, Stalin, the difference between Stalin and Hitler was really came down to Hitler embodied um, the fascist, how do I say it? I thought you were going to say nobody cared because Stalin killed his own people. (laughs) Um, Well, that's probably true as far as interventionism goes, but uh, Hitler had a very cult-like effect on people, and he embodied the, 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 the ideology of fascism. He lived and breathed it. And um, I think that that book showed me that the reason that Nazism was so successful was because um, when Hitler would speak, people had this kind of adoration and almost like like a swooning over him. And it's hard for us, again, to put ourselves in that mindset where people were just kind of gushing over Hitler. Um, Yeah, maybe it's hard for, like, us, but maybe not a Trump supporter because they do that same shit. (laughs) Right. I mean, and we talk about that, about the cult of Trump, and, you know, people say, well, it's very similar to the effect that, um, you know, Hitler had on people. And I think it's an important point because um, what happens when, a leader has so much charisma and so much, you know, personal magnetism for people. When people feel like that leader identifies with them and cares about them um, and thinks they're special, it's like an emotional bond occurs between that person and their followers. And what it does is it causes the followers to be self-motivated. And I think this is the most important thing I wanted to to really clarify because if you're the CEO of a company and you want to put a policy into effect, say you're Jeff Bezos, and you want to put a policy into effect in, you know, that every one of your line employees is going to do A, B, and C. And, you know, you sit with your marketing people and you sit with your, your whatever people And you're like, well, this would be a great policy. And you put it into effect and your line workers are like, this is fucking stupid. So, and that happens all the time because I worked at a big corporation and. Total disconnect. Yeah. They don't know what. Yeah. They would come up with these ideas that the customers would hate. Right. Corporate never knows what's happening on the floor. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So you got the CEO and he's the all powerful CEO of the company, right? But he puts out this edict and everybody's like, that's fucking stupid. So they don't agree with the edict on its basis, on its actual merits, right? So the only thing that's going to make the employees comply is threat. Force, yep. Force. Why? Because they don't respect Bezos. They don't respect the CEO. They don't admire the CEO. They don't look up to the CEO. They don't identify with the CEO. They don't love the CEO. So... The CEO has to do everything by force. A cult leader like Charles Manson 
could talk about what he thinks about the world and how he sees the world and how he wants the world to be and his followers without even being given a directive will try to create the world that their leader wants and envisions it's self-motivating right and an important note on that too i don't know why the dots just connected there for me but you know, Charles Manson, I think, was able to relate to his little cult followers so much because they were all taking a lot of drugs. And I think when you're under the influence of, when you're in the environment that has been created for you by someone, of course, only that person understands what you're going through. And I think that politicians in this country do that a lot. For sure. They create the problem. So then they can pretend to resonate with your problems. Exactly. Um, like, oh, we're so sorry that you don't have jobs and that people are living in poverty. And it's like, okay, well, those are all things within your power to fix. But you choose not to, and then you preach that you will fix them. You mm -hmm. act like you understand what the problem is. Right. I mean, they clearly do understand what the problem is because they're fucking creating it. <laughs> right. So, for example, um, if you are a young white male and you get denied at a college say like Charlie Kirk did. You can either say, well, maybe I didn't perform well enough on the test, or, or you can take the approach that, well, probably they gave it to a minority or a woman. Right. And so now you have created a narrative that gives you angst, whether it's true or not, and then you have the politician who's telling you that's probably why you didn't get into that college, to, to therefore feed on your angst. And you're absolutely right that this whole concept of the forgotten man, um, there's a, a quote in one of the books in America's Hitler's American Friends where one of these uh, politicians says, you know, I'm your voice. I'm going to speak for you. I'm going to stand up for you. You know, and, and Tucker Carlson uh, said, uh, they're not coming for you. They're coming for, they're not coming for me. They're coming for you and I'm in the way. I think it was him that said that. It was either him or one of his little uh, right-wing uh, buddies. Um, maybe, uh, oh, I can't think of who, who else. Don't ask me to come up with their names because yeah. I fucking. <laughs> one of the younger, more crazy. Baby Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah, all of those yuppie uh, Tucker Carlson's. But they use that line. They say they act like they're defending America. They're defending you. And that's that's a repeated theme that gets used to create that emotional bond. And Fox News has got it locked down, man. They've got an emotional bond with their audience. It's completely fraudulent, but um, it's effective. And, you know, that's what scares me about the whole thing is that, <clears throat> you know, all of the analyses of the Nazi mentality comes down to like I said a list of criteria of what makes a Nazi and what environment uh, births a Nazi but it doesn't tell us how to stop a Nazi and you know right now in Europe there is a huge right-wing resurgence and you know it's surprise it's not really surprising when you know the history of it but like you were saying about young people um, getting to the point where you can't put yourself in the mindset of where homosexuality does is, is like such a big deal. No, there are a lot of people, young people, who are attaching themselves to this idea of um, what they call uh, Western civilization. Civilized Western civilization, which means white folk, Christian white folk. That's Western civilization. You know, you get further east, you get into them Asian uh, Muslim and the, and the Asian religions and all them uh, crazy wild stuff is not Christianity. <laughs> um, all that bad stuff. So, but what's happening right now in Europe is you have this mass migration. You have people um, coming on these flotillas to Italy, um, escaping Libya, by boat and it's so crazy when you hear them say that we have to protect our borders and the government is not protecting our borders so we have to do it ourselves so 
one of the things that the right-wing movement in France, which is called um, Generation Identity, um, it's a bunch of young people, yuppies, they look like yuppies, and they are self-admitted fascists, and they say that they are trying to protect their country from a mass invasion of Muslims who are changing their culture. The whole great replacement theory that Tucker Carlson loves to talk about on Fox News, how white culture is being replaced by all these... uh, Thank God. How long until we eradicate mayonnaise? (laughs) Well, and that's what they say. And Seinfeld. That it's anti-white racism, that it's destroying white Christian culture and replacing it with fanatic um, Islamists. Now, before we go into that... France was subject, if you recall, to some beheadings of insane people who claim to be Muslim. And I say yeah, they that have they have had some terror attacks right in France. I mean, I saw that ramping up when there were there were several in the news back to back. And I'm like, man, they're accepting a bunch of refugees. Now there's all these t- attacks happening. Right. Like, you know, they're going to you so, knew it was going to swing right. that way. So. So, yeah, fascism is basically a crime of opportunity. And that's what happened. You had a couple people who did really horrible things. Um, and so the whole of, you know, Islam and Arab people gets labeled as terrorists. But what's interesting about that is these Christian right wingers don't think that they should be labeled terrorists when one of theirs goes to Christchurch in New Zealand and slaughters people in the middle of a worship service, mowing them down with a gun. Now, that individual, in his manifesto, his video manifesto, said that he supported the uh, generation identity. And apparently he had some communication with their main figurehead who invited him to come for coffee sometime. So the idea that they say they don't want to, um, you know, kill people or hurt people, they just want to preserve their culture is bullshit. It's total bullshit. It's Liability sh- coverage. Right. So in the, the, the book um, about the final solution, uh, Hitler, Germany, and the, fin- the final solution, they talk about how, you know, Hitler was always clear about his... Um, disdain for Jewish people, although it wasn't always racial. In the very beginning when he railed about um, Jews, it was a lot, it had a lot to do with financial issues about them, you know, being the big cabal of bankers and whatnot and um, being responsible for the, the economic downturn of Germany. It was the Jewish bankers fault. Um, It wasn't until later that it kind of took on the whole racial bent. Um, But these letters were discovered that went back and forth between people in the, um, you know, that were right around Hitler and these, they were further afield, these, these gal lighters, they called them, um, who were like mayors of the different towns. And there was like these uh, conversations that went back and forth via letters. And what they've kind of, he kind of gleaned from this is that at first there was an idea of we have to to create the pure Germany that the Fuhrer wants, um, we have to get rid of these Jews. We have to get rid of Jews. We have to get rid of Roma. We have to get rid of all of these um, non-German people. And, but there wasn't like open communication about like, let's build some camps and slaughter them. Like that wasn't a formulated plan from the jump. It was like, we have to get them out of the country. And so there was this mass, you know, deportation effort. And what happened was, as you got more Jews that were deported from one province to another province, they would build up in an area. And it was becoming very difficult to move that many Jewish people from point A to point B. And that's when the conversation in these letters started to turn to, well, you know, we could use them for labor. Um... But the ones that can't work, what do we do with them? And that's when it started to take on the turn of term of terms of involving extermination. Um, so again, what you what I feel like is the real driving force behind all of this is you have these devotees of the Fuhrer, and they want to please the Fuhrer. 
and they want to gain um, no, uh, what, what do you call that? Um, they want to get noticed by him. Notoriety. Notoriety. They want a pat on the head from Hitler. And um, so they're all doing these different things to gain his acknowledgement. And you see that with Trump. You see that with the Congress, the people in Congress. Uh, you know, Mark, Mark Meadows and, um, you know, all of the little Jim Jordans of the world, all, all of those right-wingers who, um, you know, kiss Trump's ring. It's like they're trying to gain his favor. They, they called it, in, in, in the book, they called it uh, moving, to, moving towards the Fuhrer. So people have this feeling of wanting to just do whatever it was that they felt like Hitler wanted done. He didn't have to tell them what to do. And in fact, when there were extermination started happening in these provinces, one of the letters uh, that was written to the Gauleiter said, don't you think you should get permission if you're going to up the number of people that you're massacring? And he said, I don't need to get permission. I know what the Fuhrer wants done. And um, that creates an interesting dynamic, too, because uh, if you're the, at the top, if you're Hitler, basically, or, or Charlie Manson, what did Charlie Manson always say? I never killed anybody, which is true. His hands were clean of the actual blood because he manipulated other people into doing his dirty work for him. And, um, you know, they say Putin operates that way. Putin doesn't give directives to go kill people. Putin just says... You know, it would be nice if that person wasn't around anymore. And then other people know what that means, and they go and do what he wants done without it actually being a directive from him. So um, I think more frightening than the characteristics that Trump shares with other despots, the thing that frightens me is the physics of the whole thing, the way that um, people are self-motivating to, towards this movement um that almost could trump could disappear from and i feel like it would still continue on he played his part i I don't know if i mean i go back and forth on it sometimes i think he's absolutely going to try to run for president again other times i think that the movement that he started will find someone better Mm -hmm. better suited i guess only time will tell but um well and then look at the marjorie taylor greens she's the one who's right she's the one who's being exalted while Liz Cheney, who I have no love for, is being, um, you know, dismissed. There are actually, oh, and the other thing I wanted to bring up, too, was that a lot of these um, fascist movements will figure out a way to get inside the political system and hijack it for their purposes. So, in other words, if they can't win a majority, they find some way around that. And um, what you have now with the state legislatures, these hardcore Republican states where they control the state legislature, trying to rewrite the rules of elections, this is how totalitarian leaders do coups. They don't always just point a gun at somebody and take over. Hitler didn't do that. Hitler didn't, you know, storm into somewhere and take over. They used the legitimate political process to push their way through the door and then once they were in power they just like abolished the whole system and said we're never going back now we're in charge and I feel like people here who um, even people who agree with Trump don't understand that once you unleash that genie from the bottle and you allow a despot into power good luck getting them out because you have no vote now And the other thing is that people who support that, a lot of them I look at them and I think, you know what, you think you're on the in and that you're going to benefit from this dictator being in power and you're not. Because there's a very small elite group of people who benefit when a fascist is in control and the masses don't really benefit from it, you know. Um, So the uh, French right-wing group, they they took these boats they raised money and they got these boats and they went out into the, I think is the Adriatic, to stop these NGO boats, non-governmental organization boats that were rescuing 
people who capsized and were drowning. This is what they do. Like we got the southern border where people come across from Mexico and they risk dying in the desert. So humanitarians go out and put water jugs in the desert. So in case those migrants are about to die, at least they'll have water. You know what I mean? And there's people that go out and try to find those waters, water jugs and smash them because they want the migrants to die in the desert. Can you imagine that? That's some pretty sick shit. Right. Yeah. So what this French group did, um, the Generation Identity, they go out with these boats and they're going to harass the NGO ships that are trying to save people. They say if they don't act, if they don't, and this is what they put on their commercials, their slogans or whatever, get out and act or be replaced. They drive the replacement theory theory into the level of paranoia to where people are told, if you don't act, you'll be replaced. White people won't exist anymore. They won't say white. But that's exactly what what they they mean. mean, yeah. So they get these boats and they go out there and they try to harass them. But but it kind of backfires because the boat ends up getting into some kind of trouble. And they actually had to be rescued by one of the boats <laughs> that was out there to rescue the migrants. I mean, personally, they probably should have just, just let, them let it sink, fucking Yeah, right? they should have let it fucking sink. But anyhow. Um, That's the sucky thing about people who value human lives. Right. So, but they, but the point is, and this was on, I think, a Vox documentary. That the point wasn't really to stop the NGOs from rescuing people. The point was publicity. So they got publicity for their movement to raise money, which worked. Because they put this stuff on YouTube. They put this stuff on social media. Now, eventually, uh, they did end up getting shut down. They did another, um, whatever you want to call it, staged event where they went into the Swiss Alps to stop migrants from coming over the Swiss Alps. Um, and after that, the government said, no, this group is now beyond, and they, they shut them down. They, they took them off social media. They're more or less declared like a terrorist organization. Now, in Italy, they have an organization called the Casa Pound. It also targets young people, and this is the funny thing, because young people are the easiest to motivate because they get all this passion, they get all this fury and all this angst, hormones, all this shit's going, but the one thing they don't have is fucking brains. Because you know what you are when you're 25? You're a fucking idiot. You you are completely subject to your own, and I'm sorry, I don't mean that to be insulting to young people. I admi- Yeah, Jesus Christ, I'm 26. I admire young people's drive and passion, <laughs> but what you fail to realize is, no matter how passionate you are about something, some old motherfucker who's been alive for 60 more years than you is manipulating the shit out of you because you're so passionate you can't see beyond your own passion. Ray, you should always question when people agree with you. Yeah. I think I mean, that all the time. And maybe it's just because I'm, uh, um, I like to say I'm skeptical. Other people like to say I'm paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Slap know, that I was so happy to find out that, and I didn't know this because I am old. And this is one of the criticisms of old people. We don't keep up on shit, right? So I found out that there's a gaming community on Twitch, right? Twitch. And there's a very political bend to their, you know, gaming activities where they game and they talk about politics. Which I had never heard of this either, but it makes sense because anyone who has ever played Call of Duty. Which I haven't ever. Um, the lobbies in public Call of Duty are are and have always been notoriously uh, bigoted. Um, we always make jokes about the caricature of what these people probably look like and every single one of them's name is probably kyle and they're yelling at their mom to bring them another monster as they punch a hole in the drywall because they lost their match in call of duty they're like young white um incel type looking dudes Mm -hmm. um but yeah there's not most of the time i when i play call of duty i play in a closed party with people that Mm -hmm. i know Mm -hmm. because playing online it's like first of all you're gonna get harassed simply because you're female Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's also tons and tons and tons of racial slurs. So it's anti-feminist. Um, yeah. It is racist. Yes. So it's a perfect breeding ground for an, fascism. And anti-LGBT. Right. They constantly so, use, yes. you know, slurs and that. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. So it would make sense that the right wing's like, hey, let's hone in on this space where people who aren't interested in politics, but they are racist, hang yeah. out. Yeah. And like, they're anti-feminist yeah. and they're anti-gay. That's the tip. That's the best breeding ground for fascism there's probably hundreds of names um where there's these things called clan tags where it's not your username but it's a little four digit code that you can put before your username to signify that you're in a a group and the amount of maga that sprung up after trump became president is is not shocking to me because Mm -hmm. it's the gaming community is fucking toxic Mm -hmm. it's full of young white males it's Mm -hmm. it's just fucking toxic so when you told me that, I was like, well, it finally happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also found out there's a thing called bread tube. I've never heard of this. Now, it's, I guess apparently YouTube's algorithm is designed to direct you to further and further right-wing material. <laughs> Something to do with their search algorithm. <laughs> I typed in bread tube to um, look up what you were talking about, and I accidentally typed breast tube. Oh. Way more interesting, I bet. I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry, go on. So, um... Left tube. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, I don't know why it's called bread tube. But anyways, um, it's... it's The idea is a group of people trying to use the algorithm by appealing to the same kind of memes and the same kind of, you know, like the... Uh, what's the frog? Oh, yeah. Pepe. Pepe, yeah. Like using the same kind of inside joke kind of culture to try and attract people away from the right wing. Because like, you know, everybody can have inside jokes. You don't have to be a fucking right winger. But I know their inside jokes suck, too. Like I just caught on to the whole uh, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Have you heard this? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, way to advertise that you're just a massive pussy. Right. Like you won't even just say what you mean. It's not like Joe Biden standing right here. So yeah, what are you afraid of me? Of you have to say, let's go, Brandon, in front of me because you're scared that I will, what, like, punch you ask you why you have those views and then you'll have to be embarrassed because you don't know. Right. That's what it is, right? right? Like, I swear that's what it is because I'm just like, what are you exactly, what, what are you afraid of? Yeah. I don't fucking get it. You're, ju- well, you're just scared someone will ask you, hey, like, why do you feel that way? And then you'll have to, like, come up with a re- reason other than, like, I'm racist or I, I right. hate immigrants or. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a fucking... I don't think people who say that shit have a reason. I mean, they don't want to have to defend it. You're right. Right. So they, they just, don't. You know. So they try to say something covert that somebody might not catch so they can still boast whatever they believe without right. actually having to defend it because no one knows what the fuck they're talking about. And you know what's so funny, too, is when people on the right virtue signal, because they always cry all the time about how, oh, liberals, they're just vir- they just say things just a virtue signal. Guess what? So do people on the right. So this lady I work with is supposed to be this, you know, little Christian lady, all sweet and loving Jesus and stuff, although she doesn't really talk about Jesus. But um, she's supposed to be this hardcore Christian. And this guy from who's in the West Virginia State Legislature, apparently, comes into our place of business. And he starts talking about, um, oh, we're going to tell Biden that he can keep his nose, blah, 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 start talking anti-Biden shit. And she was like, well, can't we get rid of him? He's like, yeah, but then who are we going to have? Harris? And then you know who's next in line? Pelosi. And she says, this good little Christian woman goes, well, can't we take them all out? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's cool to openly talk about murdering people if it's Democrats. You know? And then um, somebody came in talking about football. And it was just a normal conversation, did not require her to say this, but she was like, oh, well, I, you know, I don't really watch professional football now since they started all that kneeling and stuff. You know, I don't want, I can't watch it now. Probably didn't watch it before either. And I'm just like, get the, are you, why are you just virtue signaling right now? Like, it's so fucking annoying, but they do it all the time too. Oof. It's just funny that they criticize the left for, which the left does do it, but they do it too. So anyways. Yeah, Democrats um, be like... <laughs> The saying the same exact shit as Republicans. They're like, but they just put like hashtag uh, like Black Lives Matter or something, something after. Right. It, like. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just you know if you get a chance to go on and look at Vice and uh, look at their documentaries on the right wing movements in Europe, it is pretty scary. Um, the one from France, that Generation Identity, apparently they got such a ball rolling that they had like 
um, what do you call them, outposts or different, um, I don't know what you call them, like other collateral organizations that sprang up in, mm. di- in nine different countries. Wow. You know, got huge amount of support. So this these aren't like little isolated groups of people who are worried that they're being replaced. It's 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 gone past the point of, to where it's now so self-motivating and you get people like well that's happening in this country too i try to tell people all the time who aren't uh completely fucking wrapped up in any kind of QAnon nonsense or fucking on the maga train so hard they can't see logic and i'm like uh do you guys see what's happening here like yeah <laughs> listen like this is beyond like you know i don't know i think i feel like well, personally, I feel like George Bush and everything that happened under his presidency and probably Reagan, too, is far worse than what Trump actually did. But the problem with Trump and why he was dangerous is because it's created this environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why isn't anyone else seeing this? And I'm like, is it just because I'm young and like these types of people have always been around? But I don't know. I don't know if it's the way that it's portrayed in the media or it, it's hard for me to determine if this is just a repeat cycle thing, like these types of people have existed since Nixon, Reagan, Bush, whatever, or if, if these people really are m- different and more dangerous. Well, you know how you, you sometimes think, oh, this seems like a great idea when you're young and you do something and then you're just like, man, that, why didn't somebody tell me that was a bad idea? So when I say like when you're young, you're stupid, it's just because you haven't actually followed through on your idea to realize your own mistake. Right? There's two ways to learn something. You believe somebody when they tell you that's a bad idea. Or you got to try it yourself. And most young people are like, well, I want to try it myself. That's fine. But the problem with that is there's people who've tried it and know where it leads. And young people don't want to listen to that shit. These people over in Italy who are being treated like they're so wonderful and they're so perfect just because they're pure Italian, whatever that means. Um being treated like royalty because they're better than some scummy ass I- immigrant why don't it's like don't you we know where this leads to and the reporter asks this political leader you know so the difference between your movement and other movements in the past is that you're actually putting people in uniform fascists in uniform to go out and police like on their own like other movements haven't done that before. Well, we, we, they have, but we know. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we do. Brown that, shirts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> that was a key thing for Hitler. Right. Uniforming people. Yeah. And then, you know what he said? His response was, when the state is not doing its job, we have to do it for them. And you see that same shit happening here. The whole January 6th thing, self-motivated attack which is a combination of things too i mean that because it's not what they're saying isn't completely untrue i mean both political sides have failed to enact any change that keeps normal people above water right so i mean it's like you basically set it up for them when you when you create conditions you know as bad as people can't afford their medicine and -hmm. their electric bill in the same month and when you have a fascist group come into the picture and say you know, look, they're not taking care of us. They're not, they're not wrong. Right. Um, and so so Italy, it's easy to prey on people. It, and, and the fascists in Italy have a youth hostel set up um, to help young people. They also do free medical checks. Fascist doctors will do free medical checks only for real Italians, though. Only for legit Italians. Um, but the, they have... How f- do they... And this is going to... Maybe I shouldn't say this. This might be not funny to some people. But how do they check that? Like, do they make you perform... Um, the proper way to cook spaghetti before that. <laughs> <laughs> so he is that asked, the check? What's the check? So the reporter asked the woman who was running the youth hostel. Um, so if a, when you say you'll do this for Italians, so if a Italian marries an immigrant and they have children, those children are, are Italian, right? So could they stay here? And she's like, well, no, not right now. And he's like, okay, but when? when do you ever foresee in the future they immigrants would be allowed to take benefit of this? And she says, well, they have to, you know, if they're not Italian, they have to prove uh, that they care about the country, that they have to do something to show that they love the country. And he's like, well, like what? And she's like, well, you know, like uh, give back to the country, like uh, love the country, take care of it. And he's like, well, don't a lot of immigrants already do that? And she's like, I don't see that. 
So again, here's what you have. You have an ideology where any immigrant who does anything good, you'll ignore it. But any Italian who does anything um, good, you praise it. But if an Italian does something bad, you ignore it. And if an immigrant does something good, you ignore it. So you just choose what you're going to ignore. Just like that's how we get the Kyle Rittenhouses of the world, right? You rationalize bad behavior when the person's on your side. But do what George Floyd was a victim and they condemn him because he's not on their side. It's easy to have a very 100% you're right all the time view when you simply rationalize anything that doesn't fit your view. Of course, you're going to convince yourself that you're right. <laughs> but in the end, if we don't stop people from being self-motivated in their desire to please the right wing, we're in trouble. And the only thing that I can say is that when I see somebody walking down the street and they say hi to me and they pet my dog or we talk, and I wonder if they're a person who's a right winger. And I think when this stuff goes down, has the bond that I've built with them as a human being going to stop them from killing me? I think that sometimes too, honestly, because I, I would like to think that people would think of me as a human first before their beliefs. But when I've come into contact with people who are ultra religious or ultra anything on one side that I am not a part of, mm -hmm. it has always shown me that it doesn't matter what I've done for them. Right. That I can't outrank that. Right. Because I'm a hard, hard leftist. But if I see a person who is a Trump supporter and they have a Trump bumper sticker, but they're broke down, I'm still going to fucking stop and help them because yeah. they're a human being. Well, that's the problem with our side, too, because then it keeps giving it, in. It keeps giving in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at our country. If all of the left leaning states that provide a majority of the money, we're just like, fuck those right wing states. Mm -hmm. uh, they do nothing but suck money and tank our elections. We're not giving them money anymore. Then they could just let us all starve and die. I mm -hmm. mean, how many people on welfare, on food stamps, if their state got cut off on federal funds that are provided by places like California, like Kentucky, would just, their 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 population would just fucking die off. I don't There's know, your survival if, of the fittest, right. but it's like, it ain't working out in your favor, man. I know. Well, <laughs> I mean, ask Joe Manchin. I can't. He's probably on his yacht where I can't reach him. That's true. That's but, true. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. So do you have any closing thoughts here, Mick? Nope. All I can say is just try to uh, live in the real world. Don't uh, live inside your head. My advice is stay the fuck off of social media. You'll be a lot happier. That's kind of what I meant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you said it much better than I did. Yeah, people take in information from these far-flung media, and it's like, what's right in front of your face? Like, just talk to your neighbor, like get to know your neighbor, try to build a community that if something goes bad, you're still going to be able to look at your neighbor and help your neighbor out. Right. Yeah. I always give that same advice to people who are left leaning or Democrats or whatever is that don't be so fucking condescending to people. You mm -hmm. know, if you could just like make, especially with a lot of Democrats that I know that are um, upper class and I'm like, you got to stop looking at poor people oh, dude. like you're better than them yeah. because this is exactly why Democrats are looked at like fucking Republicans or worse than. Because I'm like, you get this elitist attitude and all you do is is make them cannon fodder for the Republican Party. Like, you got to fucking stop doing that. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people who were right-leaning and you can tell that they get it from internet algorithms being fed to them. And they have a real conversation with someone like me about something as simple as like unions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say all these things that are true. And I'm like, well, actually. And then they're like, oh, really? You know, they're not too far gone yet. Mm -hmm. And you challenge what they're saying in a way that isn't fucking condescending. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I feel like I've saved just a few people from that QAnon train. They might not be left wing, but they're not exactly right wing well, yet. Yeah, as long either. as we're like, not killing each other, as long as either side isn't rounding the other side up and sending them to a concentration camp. Right. I'm like, all right, we can go backwards from here. <laughs> right. We can, we can first step back. But. All right. Well, this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off. <laughs>